I'm pretty sure most of you have heard of Tim Keller. He's the pastor emeritus now of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York, a man of amazing gifts and intellect, pastorally, apologetically. I, no doubt many of you have read his books. He's pretty prolific and have been blessed by them. I know I have. And it was not too long ago that I was reading an article he wrote in Atlantic Monthly. It was from last year, but it wasn't unlike, it was unlike most of his books. It was actually a personal testimony about his journey with pancreatic cancer, which came upon him suddenly. He wasn't expecting it. It just sort of a, a, an exam that he didn't think was going to be too bad revealed that. And in, an, in a moment, in an instant, all that he thought he was going to do the week ahead, the month ahead, the rhythms of life, the things that were meaningful to him suddenly got upended. Suddenly there was something completely different that he was now facing. And, and the things that were normal now got pushed out and the things that were really first order questions about where's God and what's this going to be like, those got put to the front. This would be ushering Tim and his wife, Kathy, into some pretty unfamiliar territory, into a wilderness with, that has all kinds of questions, a real sense of danger and fears that go with it, a desert. Here's what they said when he, in his article. He said, we spent much of our time in tears and disbelief. We had plenty of plans and lots of comforts, especially our kids and our grandkids. And we, and we expected some illness to come just as we got older. But now this, this couldn't happen. What was God doing to us? And they just, they turned to scripture to just try to give voice to that. Why, O oh Lord, do you stand far, far off? Will you forget me forever? Just letting the Psalms speak for them. But this unfamiliar territory, this wilderness, this, this, this desert is what was brought to them. In the text that Cindy just read, we have Jesus being led to the desert by the Holy Spirit. And as Father Thomas McKenzie, we're reading as a congregation this book called Lent with the Desert Fathers. And McKenzie says, deserts come to us. Sometimes we're led to them and sometimes they come to us. In the Keller's case, the desert came to them. And so, you know, that wilderness, that desert is just something that upends our life. It could be health as it is in their case. It could be work. I can remember a friend of mine who was a tech executive looking forward to his next promotion, being pretty confident that he was going to get it. And when the, his boss called him and he said, hey, let's grab dinner. He's like, that's good, dinner, that's a good sign. And he goes up to the city for dinner and his boss tells him he's getting laid off. Like, whoa, when did that happen? Total left field. His wilderness suddenly comes upon him. Health, job-related things, can be relationship. You know, a hard word said, and then suddenly you're, the relationship's just in a place where you're wondering how this can be repaired. How can that get retrieved? These are individual wildernesses and things that impact families, but there's a whole country right now in the middle of this unknown, very scary place. Of, uh, like, what's, are we going to survive? It's Ukraine. 
You guys have seen the reports. I've seen the reports. There's a lot of prayer going on. I'm sure that's, that's part of your prayer as well. But deserts and wilderness experiences come to us all. They come to us as individuals. They come to us as families. They come to nations. What do we do in such times? Well, how do we even make sense of these? And I think it's here where our text really helps us to understand what God is doing in the midst of such things. Here's what Cindy read, just to remind. First four verses. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. I guess the first thing to notice in the text is Jesus is led, as I mentioned, by the Holy Spirit into this wilderness, as, as Luke calls it, to be tempted by the devil. Sort of this ongoing spiritual battle raging for 40 days and hitting a crescendo as he is fasting. This is part of what his call is in this time, is to refrain from eating. And naturally, his physiology just keeps crying louder and louder for food. This is a survival matter. And yet he knows that's not what he's supposed to do. But the enemy takes that moment to say, if you are the son of God, command this, these stones to be bread. And we'll learn more about his response, mostly next week. But he responds, of course, with that word of God. And what he's doing, so why, why is God even doing this? Why is God leading Jesus into this desert? Jesus responds with, to the Satan's temptation with a quote from Deuteronomy. But before that, he said, Deuteronomy 8 is all about this, where it says that basically... The Lord has led, remember the Lord your God, how he led you all the way in the wilderness for 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commands. Part of God's purpose for times in the desert for us is that we would, we need these times. I mean, these aren't optional, but he actually leads us into the desert, allows these hard times to come into our life to show us what is in our heart that is yet to be formed in him. He loves us so much and he longs for our purity and our holiness to such an extent that he allows things that we find greatly uncomfortable, disturbing, bothersome, oppressive. He allows them to come in to reveal what is in us. Now, as I said, uh, this is actually part one. Next week, we'll, we'll deal with the specific three temptations that we see. But I want us in this week to understand that times in the desert happen because God wants to show us what we need to separate from. Affections that we have for worldly things. Uh, aspects of our pride that have yet to be conquered. Ways that we relate to him that are more out of our own, more, more resonant of, of insecurity rather than faith in him. These are all understandable and these are all human. If Don't feel super beat up because I'm not feeling beat up. I'm not feeling beat up because I'm like, Lord, you know what you're dealing with here. And he does know what he's dealing with. But he's, he's not content to just leave us there. So he allows us desert times to, to allow them to reveal what's in our heart. I 
And if we're honest, some of us, um, we don't really like that. It makes us a little concerned, doesn't it? We like our routines. We like our rhythms. We don't want to be disturbed. We're like, you know, kids that turn in kind of half-hearted homework or an excuse. My dog ate it, so I can't do it. We're just in this kind of, we allow the things of our, our lives to kind of anesthetize us to the spiritual draw that the Lord has, the things he wants, the affections he wants to separate us from that are not of him. But now is the time, and Lent is specifically that time, where there's this invitation to come into a wilderness, to draw to him, to understand his love for us, to allow that love to just start to gently open our hands and start to release things, to open our heart to, to see things. So the wilderness allows us to get that time that's critical to to see what needs to be given over to God. Second thing that the wilderness does, that time of testing in the desert, you know, it actually prepares us for fruitful earthly ministry. Look at where it comes in Jesus's ministry. It's Luke chapter four, it's Matthew chapter four, but both of these are at the beginning before he does any public ministry. He's pre-IPO here. He hasn't done anything that's, that's really gone out there. He's just been baptized, so I guess that's public. But he, he really hasn't begun in, Matt, in Luke's gospel to do a lot of teaching. Later on in this chapter, he will go and do his, his inaugural sermon to the synagogue in his town. But he's just getting started. Why does the Lord choose this time to bring him into the wilderness? It is to prepare him for the ministry that requires him to be utterly connected to his heavenly father. There's no free wheeling that Jesus does in the three years that he's walking. He's always in the presence of his father. He's, he's often getting a time away to pray. He's coming to that place of, of interaction with him. A few Sundays ago, it was Transfiguration Sunday. It's like there are times where the glory of the Lord just shines so much in his life and through him that, that that's what the result is. But he is always and everywhere being led by the Lord. In order to do what Christ was called to do, he needed to have uninterrupted fellowship with him. He needed a time of testing where he could see that, that God's word was what he needed to resist the temptations, the trials of the devil. What kind of ministry could he honestly have if he had succumbed to any of these three temptations? How would that even work? It could not. He, he had to respond in the way that he did, but he did so by being on the word of God and camping out literally on that. And so for the Lord to do the ministry that God had ordained him for do, he had ordained him to do, he needed to do that. If we're to do the things that God calls us to do, these times of testing are ways that God actually prepares us and equips us and encourages us. There are things that he would have each of us do vocationally and spiritually and in our jobs that will come with a period of testing beforehand because he loves us too much to give us a sacred trust that somehow would overwhelm us and somehow disappoint other people. If you do morning prayer, the reading uh, is from Deuteronomy excuse me, from Exodus today. And it's about when the Israelites, they've just left Egypt and the Lord is now leading them in the desert. And he leads them, not by the short way, which I would have been up for, but by the long way. But he leads them by the long way because he knows that the short way will take them through hostile territory. 
and that they will have to engage in a fight. And he doesn't think they're equipped to win. And so he's concerned that they will be discouraged and want to go back to Egypt. Later on, they do get discouraged and do want to go back to Egypt. But he's starting out with that loving compassion that the father has. And so he's preparing them to get into the promised land. He prepares us through times of testing for the plan that he has for us. Think of it in the natural. You know, soldiers go through basic training so that when, and simulated battles so that when the real thing comes along, they can be effective. If you're flying on an airplane, you want to fly with a pilot who's had plenty of hours in the sky. She's done all her simulator training. She knows what to do in an emergency. That's the pilot you want. You want doctors that did their rounds and really studied and have great experience. You want coaches that have been through the pressure of a championship game, if that's your team. You want people that have been tested. We want people that have been tested, but we don't necessarily want to be tested ourselves. It's kind of an interesting paradox at times. So Jesus is in the desert in part as a time of preparation that is unique to him in a sense, because he does come to us and he is being prepared to be the Messiah. But the final thing that I want to point out that why trials come, why, why these wilderness experiences happen is it's a preparation for death that actually leads to eternal life. You know, Jesus isn't going to this ministry that's always up and to the right. He's going to a ministry that will result in his death on our behalf. And he needs to pass this test these trials and temptations, in order to be the unblemished Messiah that we need to be the Savior that we must have if we're to live forever. And so in, in a way, when we are being tested, we are being prepared um, for that death that leads to eternal life. Not because we, have become, we, have, we are sinless, because we are not, but just because we have relied on the Lord each and every time. This was something I found striking in, in Tim Keller's book, Tim Keller's article, a little bit later after describing his and Kathy's response to his diagnosis. He says, a significant number of believers in God find their faith shaken and destroyed when they learn that they will die at a time and in a way that seems unfair to them. Before my diagnosis, I had seen this in people of many faiths. faiths. One woman with cancer told me years ago, I'm not a believer anymore. That doesn't work for me. I can't believe in a personal God who would do something like this to me. Cancer killed her God. That's what he concludes. And I can't help but think in the context of being tested that if she would, you know, there's all, there's, uh, you know, specific dynamics in each and every situation. But as a, as a pastor, as a shepherd, I want to say, man, if, if you could have met with the Lord and, and had it out with him over what, what is it that you require of him in order to live the life that you want? Is it that you can't get cancer ever? What's your, what's your walking away point from God? And it's in the wilderness that we get the time to be honest with him, to see if there's any non-negotiables that we're bringing into this relationship with him, such that if he violated that, that would be it. This is why Jesus wants us to get time away with him, to see if there's anything that we're carrying around that needs to be just given over to him. 
Now, I think, I know some of mine, but I'm sure there's others that I don't have. I'm, I'm work, the ones I know I'm working on, but I need to be honest and need to have that time with the Lord to have him, to give him that place to reveal that. That way, I, I don't live in fear of, of somebody saying, cancer killed his God, or some other tragedy destroyed it, or politics killed his God. There's people walking away from faith because of all kinds of reasons that are temporal in nature. And it is essentially an elevation of the things of this life and this time and this earth above God. Like this is what he wants to get our attention for. And we are tempted. We're all tempted in certain ways in certain areas. This is why we need to come away. This is why we need to seek out the wilderness. Free from the clutter, from the routines, from the rhythm. Just to say, Lord, help me understand what, I, what you want me to show, to show me. I want to be totally and utterly committed and sold out to you. So as I said, next week we'll look at the three temptations that allow us to understand a little bit more about uh, how the enemy comes at us. But I just, again, want to say that the wilderness is God's idea for us. And it is to save our life that we would never be able to say cancer killed my God or this killed my God. But instead that we would go on to know that we got to know him more. We live for him with greater holiness. We experienced his love to a deeper level. We saw fruit in our own ministries because we did that. And we saw that he was preparing us for eternal life. So use this time of Lent to go into the desert, led by the spirit to see what's in your heart. Use the tools at your disposal. We have a book, you know, as I said in our small groups, we're doing Mackenzie's book, which is great. There's a retreat coming up on the 19th, which is a wonderful time to get away to create that space. You know, God's not like Siri or Alexa. They can, you can just sort of pass by and say, Alexa, what sin do I need to work on today? Siri, what is it that my uh, spouse really wants me to work on today? He's more like a close friend or an intimate relationship. He is a holy God, but in terms of getting away, like a close friend or an intimate relation who waits for the right moment to speak to our soul, to say things that we've needed to hear, and then he enables us to see his compassion and his love that just invites a response. Now that is the true blessing of the desert. Amen. Thanks for being with us online in the sermon podcast. To find out more about Holy Trinity Silicon Valley, head to www.holytrinitysv.org.